What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. Today, we're sitting down with Eric McCormick. He's a former law enforcement officer and bad-to-the-bone trainer. We talk about his time working his way through law enforcement, some of the trauma, some of the difficulties that he experienced, and how he moved through that. We also talk about physical fitness and how that has been the cornerstone of his health and wellness, both mental and physical, and how he is working to share that message with those around him and in the world. So it is very informative, fantastic podcast. Please enjoy. Eric. It's so I'm so happy to to sit down and chat with you, and um, I want to talk about uh, outlaw strength. I want to talk about the work that you're doing with Mountain Ops and uh, the, the stuff that you're doing in the, the health space for for Leos and firefighters and and, and allied folks. Um, and um, but before we do that, or as we do that, I want to talk about um, kind of who you are and and how to how you got into this space and you know your your history with law enforcement and and some of the lessons learned there and. All that kind of stuff. Well, we really want to dive into I something wanna, deep, I want right? to know it all, man. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Eric. Uh, so let's start. I am 49 years old. Um, uh, let's see. I was born in Roseburg, Oregon. Um, at an early age, I got into martial arts. So um, I got into karate with my dad. Um, that was sort of where I got the, the spark to training, I guess. Let's see. My mom and dad got... Uh, divorce when I was very young so I had some separation issues uh, I lived with my mom we moved around a lot um, I got exposed to some professional training uh, my freshman year in high school um, our basketball coach played in the NBA so I got exposed to some professional training at a very young age and uh, I just loved it I just love that um, how, how was it different for you at that age? Because I feel like I wouldn't know it if I saw it at that age. Oh, it's, uh, it was, because this was, you know, I'm 49 years old. So you're thinking back in 89, 90. That's, that's I mean, complicated math, right? You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> spare with me the math. Like 88. So 88, you know, so um, I sort of, I, I just love exercise. I love, uh, you know, I got into karate, you know, Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, all those, you know, Bruce Lee oh, was yeah. just an amazing uh, Did you have individual. a subscription to like Black Belt Magazine like mm -hmm. we all did? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And I got turned down to Muscle and Fitness Magazine. Nah, okay. That's where I really started uh, uh, diving into some fitness and health. But the things with the magazines, they always contradict themselves. So mm. it's just like one month they'll say, oh, Stanford University had this research. And then they had another research from some other doctor. And they're always contradicting themselves. And I was just like, well, that doesn't really make sense because a couple months ago you said this, you know. Right. So there's a lot of it's miscommunication mm -hmm. that's been out there ever since I was into this field. Yeah. Well, um, so what, you know, what's interesting about that is it, I think it, it causes people to – to change their training so frequently because mm -hmm. it's the latest. Ooh, what's new? What's new? Or I feel like, oh, now I have an expert telling me this. I got to change everything. Yes. And you lose that consistency in your training, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I, I mean, we'll probably talk more about that down as we go along here. But I feel like that's a that's a problem with that is these magazines are looking for, for I won't call it clickbait in today's day and age, right? But they're looking for a hook yeah, to, to, to get people excited. But 
those of us who are looking for guidance in how to train mm-hmm. get kind of tossed and turned back and forth over different models of different modalities of training. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I sort of, and then there was a book that I got into, it was called, uh, I think it was eating for strength performance or something like that. It's a big diary book and it had, um, workouts for specific sports. You know, it had workouts for football, workouts for basketball, but they were, you know, pretty basic, simple. Um, but that coach uh, was in Santa Maria High School in California. So we moved from Oregon to a big city, got exposed to that professional training. And you're talking like medicine ball, uh, plyometrics, uh, weighted jump ropes. I mean, just like what, you know, state of the art training. So I got exposed to that. And um, I mean, I just loved it. You know, I just loved it. Uh, we moved from Santa Maria. Then I moved back to Oregon uh, to Springfield, Eugene. And they had just started a strength and conditioning program there. So it continued on to that path. And um, I just love sports. I loved uh, the team aspect. I love basketball was my passion. Um, and then after high school, that's where uh, I was sort of like, what am I going to do next? You know, right. what's, what's, what's the next thing? And I was sort of uh, burnt out on school. I was a little burnt out. Uh, just a little personal thing. Um, I didn't really have the best uh, childhood. My mom had five different husbands and a couple mm-hmm. of them were drug dealers and weren't good people. So uh, my way of dealing with uh, the bad home life was going out and training, going out, playing basketball all day, just not being home. And uh, um, when I moved back to Oregon, I uh, was with my dad. I live with my dad and my dad uh, used to grow marijuana back in the day mm-hmm. and uh he got busted when i was in high school so it was my junior year and uh he got put in prison so i was on my own my mom wasn't yeah. able to take care of me so i had to be self-sufficient as yeah. a junior in high school so i had to live with friends and just uh survive yeah so it really uh it was a really hard time as you know going into you know you're 17 years old and you're like Phew. I have nobody else to help me out. So uh, that was a really hard time. But after school... um, I have a dumb question real quick. No, fire away. When when you think, when you look back on that time, and I'm looking at, I'm thinking about this with my own lens here, but before I say anything, when you look back on that time, do you feel like, um, would you trade that experience? No, I, I wouldn't trade. God sort of has a path for you. And I'm a believer and it took me a while to become a believer. Um, it was sort of religion was sort of pushed onto me as a younger age. My brother is um, lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. He just retired. He's a chaplain. Oh, cool. And uh, he was very religious. And he's the one that sort of made me go to church. And uh, and I sort of was a little resistant as a young age, you know. Sure. And uh, I just sort of feel from these life experiences, this is why I'm here today. I'm supposed to share some of these life experiences and trauma and things I went through. Yeah. And it might help somebody. It might help somebody that's struggling or going through. And uh, no, I wouldn't change anything in my life yeah. uh, because it made me who I am today. Right. You know? Yeah. And uh, we all have struggles. We all have um, challenges, but it's just how, how do you look at it? What did I learn from it? And I just learned, I've always been a survivor my whole entire life, you know, but it was like, you had to grow up, 
So I had to have a job, you know, I had to have a job. I was providing and I was living on my own at 17 years old. Right. And, uh, you know, after high school, I graduated after high school. I tried to go to school, uh, but I was working graveyard. Graveyard's the hardest job on the planet, working from, you know, 10 o'clock till 7 in the morning, then try and go to school during the day. I don't know how you could manage that. <laughs> So I tried that for a while and just couldn't cut it. So, what kind of work were you doing? I was working at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. I was uh, stocking shelves during the night. Uh, I was a courtesy clerk in high school. That's what I was doing. And then uh, once I graduated high school, like, oh, you can make an extra buck an hour if you want to work night. I was (laughs) like, okay, dollar extra an hour, I'll do it. Right. Uh, So when I was doing that. I found a job at Williams Bakery, working at a bakery, which was making great money. I was making like 17 bucks an hour. I didn't have you know any degree or anything. That was probably really, that's really good money back in oh, those back days. Oh, back in those days? Yeah, yeah 92, 93, yeah. I was making great money. Uh, got me into my first house, got me into that. And then uh, I was sort of looking at what do I also want to do? And that's where I got into personal training. So I started personal training at uh, 24-hour fitness. Uh, in uh, Eugene and 95. So that's when I first started training. I had no idea what I was doing, you right. know, but I knew I but loved But you knew exercise. what you were doing. Like you knew what, how you maintained your own fitness, right? For that sure. was kind of your base set, right? For sure. But it's, it's, uh, it's probably the hardest job because you're trying to get somebody to invest into a belief or a system that you have. Mm. So, I mean, uh, as especially as a 23-year-old, I mean, like, you know, what, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I had a lot of experience through, uh, you know, through training and exercise through high school. And I was a, I was a pretty good athlete. Um, so that's where it's like I got into personal training and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, well, making up flyers, getting some people to train with me. And uh, during that process, I picked up two clients that I really didn't know what they did. They were businessmen. They were, they were very, uh, um, they would show up on time. We would train three days a week. Um, I was in my groove, pushing them. And I thought they were businessmen. I thought they were just guys that just wanted to be in better shape. And then I found out later that they were police officers. And uh, pretty much they were lieutenant and corporal for a smaller agency called Juxta City, which is outside of Eugene, uh, population probably 7,000. And uh, they pretty much said, hey, we think you'd be a great police officer. We would love to, we have an opening, we'd love you to apply. And... Uh, had, had ever, I had never, yeah, never gone ever down that path. <laughs> thought of ever blaming a police officer. My dad went to prison. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was survival. And uh, I mean, there's there, the worst feeling is coming home from school and seeing police tape around your house. And you're not able to go in and get your things. Right. You know, I mean, you're just shut off. And uh, it was just, it was a hard time. And, you know, as a kid going to parties, you'd run from the cops and, you know, you didn't, you didn't want to even deal with that. But both my brothers were in the military. 
Um, my oldest brother was in the Air Force. He's a lieutenant colonel, just retired. And then my other brother, uh, Keith, he was a paramedic or a medic in uh, the Army. He did multiple tours in Afghanistan. So, um, and as a kid, I grew up on a farm when I was younger. So we always used to play guns and yeah, do those things. I used to, yeah. <laughs> and uh, more military kind of oh, things. Yeah, okay. And uh, I was a rifle hunter. Uh, we, uh, my grandma had a ranch, so we were country kids. So I shot a lot of guns. I did a lot of that. So we did a lot of laser tag back in the days. So that was sort of like something we used to experiment with because we, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have all the technology. Now it was just like ride your bikes or play guns or right. rock fight or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I never even thought about being a police officer, but, uh, you know, I was making good money at the bakery and I was doing personal training. Uh, I was married at the time and uh, we had just had our, uh, my son, Michael, and we pretty much talked, but I had to take a pay cut. Mm. It was a $400 a month pay cut to become a cop. But down the road, I would have made more money. Right. So um, me and my wife talked and we're like, okay, well, let's, uh, let's do it. So I decided to apply for the position, and uh, yeah, I got the job. I got the job, and uh, it was it was uh, I did that for thirteen years. Uh, it was probably the most uh, it was a really meaningful job. It had purpose. Uh, it was probably the hardest job I ever did in my life. Yeah, I mean, what makes you say that? Well, you're dealing with people's worst days. And you are going into situations and the police officer has more power than anybody in the world because you can take a life and freedom. And uh, sometimes, you know, especially today, you know, one person can sort of ruin the whole aspect for everybody of uh, control or power or whatever that is. And um, it was I when I dove into police law enforcement uh i really dove into the aspect of training um because it could be life and uh i took it serious i took it to a whole different level it's like i shot my gun every week i trained hard i made sure i was ready i did a lot of uh and the cool thing is where i was at i was at a smaller agency so you had to be very self-efficient I didn't have a partner. Right. It was just me. Right. It was just me. So you have to be very efficient. And the cool thing is, is that the two guys I trained, they were my corporal and my lieutenant. And they were all about training. So I got sent to specialized training. I went to SWAT school. I went to FBI interrogation school. I went to detective school. I went to uh, defensive tactics school. I was a de- defensive tactics instructor for my military or from my martial art background. Mm-hmm. I used to teach the academy physical fitness. So I got exposed to bicycle training. Any training training I wanted to go to, I went to. And uh, my training was at a whole different level. And I think that when I started teaching at the academy it really gave me a different purpose for training Mm -hmm. because this exposure to this individual could save their life one day and it's uh i don't know it's it's uh it's a really hard position because 
as law enforcement, you're dealing with uh, dangerous people. Yeah. And you're dealing with uh, chaos and uh, trying to juggle the situation and trying to help people through that because you're a counselor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what your job is. You're taking somebody and you're counseling. Sometimes there's consequences for that. You know, sometimes they have to be put in jail or in a timeout or, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, horrible things. Um, trauma. You're yeah. dealing with trauma every single day. And uh, as a kid, you know, the way I dealt with trauma was exercise. And I used to just shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, move on, move on. And that's what your job as a police officer. Right. You go from one call to another to another, and it just compounds. 100%. Yeah, I like to think of it like uh, when you're, you know, doing woodworking and you're laying down a layer of lacquer. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to put another layer down and another layer down until you get that fine. But it just that, that build up, right? And it's a hard encasement that gets built up on us. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, you have to have some tools to be able to, to decompress from all that stuff. Yeah. It's a real challenge. And when I started in 98... There was no counseling. There was no therapy. Oh, we there don't talk. Was, we would not talk about that stuff back in those no, days. No, it was like you can't show weakness. Right. Uh, don't show weakness. And we used to, like we talked about just before we got on about sense of humor mm-hmm. and how you make a, a weird joke or something about a situation. Right. Just to be able to deal with it. <clears throat> and if you care about people, which I do, I really truly care about people. It changes you. It really changes you. Um, I mean, I had, I mean, just to give you an experience. Uh, I just got hired. Um, I hadn't even went to the academy yet. So I just got hired. That I had a, a badge on a necklace. Mm-hmm. I had a gun. I hadn't got a bulletproof vest yet. I hadn't got a uniform or anything, but I was getting shown around. I was getting taken to the DA's office to meet the attorneys of the ones that you write the reports for, and they're the ones that prosecute. We were heading there, and then um, a guy collapses on the side of the road. I was like, whoa. And my corporal's pulling over. He's like, I got compressions. I was like, oh, shit. I just did CPR training like last week. Right. And then I'm doing CPR on a guy on the side of the road and he dies in my arms. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, you know, uh, back in those days they had the, uh, the face shields that, you know, you're trying to put it in the mouth and you're trying to do mouth to mouth. Right. Hard. Man, if you've never experienced that, that's a hard situation, especially if someone's having a heart attack, their, their tongue is swelling. And uh, he looked right in my eyes when he died. And uh, I was messed up. That messed me up for four or five days. I was like, "Man, what am I getting into?" Right. I had uh, this is this is what I'm exposed to. And uh, I mean, I I've just experienced a lot of just horrible events in my life. Just experiencing those thirteen years, and uh, that's where I'm hoping about today is that maybe we can talk about some of the. This might help, you know, some of the first responders, some of the people that are going through this, you know, it's okay to be human. It's okay to uh, find tools of how to uh, deal with what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're dealing with life. You're dealing with tragedy. You're dealing with uh, 
the hardest things that nobody can, nobody can even understand what you do. Right. Nobody can understand what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember early in my career, you know, going to family parties and, and sharing, they're like, what's the most interesting thing you've seen? And I'm like, oh, well, I would start telling the story. And then I look at the, the, the see the look of horror on their faces. Yes. And I'm like, oh, you can't, you guys can't hear that story. Uh, okay, let me change this. Let me change exactly. to a different story. Mm-hmm. And realizing that, oh, wow, this is, for whatever reason, uh, I am uniquely equipped to experience this. And, you know, over the last, you know, 24 years, I've re- begun to recognize the, the, the tiny, the micro tears that have happened, the micro traumas that are just layered upon layer upon layer. And I, you know, I vividly remember my first code and I remember my first peds code and I remember my first, you know, trauma and, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 901 H in a fire, you know, the, all these different events. I remember all that stuff yeah. and detail. It, you remember oh, t- detail, vividly, vividly feelings, even feeling. Right. And it's, what's interesting is I'm like, wow, like, I had a, a moment. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. Um, I've had a, I had a moment a, a few years back when uh, I was driving across the city, and I I had a memory flash in my mind. Oh, at this intersection, this event took place here, yeah. and it flooded on, it flooded me. And then all of a sudden, and I, it was one of those days where I had come off shift. I was really tired, and I'm driving home, and so I'm, I was kind of vulnerable, I guess you could say, yeah. right? emotionally unstable <laughs> and so i'm flooded with emotion i flooded with the memory of this call and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened and every all these calls start coming in my head all these different events and experiences and feelings mm-hmm. and and all of a sudden i'm, I'm driving down the road and tears are flowing down my face and i'm like holy crap i'm broken <laughs> like yeah. it just i just broke and so i get home and um, when my wife comes home i tell her the story and she goes hey you need to go to therapy mm-hmm. and i was like no <laughs> No, yeah. I don't. No, um, I, I said, let it out. I go, no, no, that was a mistake. I'm good. I shouldn't have even told you. Like yeah. I, I started backpedaling as quick as I could. Yeah. And re- and then over the next year or so, I was like, no, dude, from childhood on, you have experienced various types of trauma. Mm-hmm. You need to go unpack that crap. Yes. Right? Yes. And so I'm like, yeah, why did it take me this long in my career to get to a point where I'm realizing this is having an impact? Because I processed it. I managed it for so long. Mm-hmm. And I managed it. You coped. Yeah, I coped. I yeah. figured it out, right? And uh, so anyways, good news is I I've got, I started going to therapy. It is a fantastic uh, process. And you know, you got to find the right therapist. But once you do, yeah. uh, it's very, very helpful. And um, it, you know, it has made a tremendous difference for me. And, uh, Tools and, to the trade. And my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your family. Yeah. I mean, because you bring it home. Yeah, yeah. I used to bring it home, and at first I used to share with my wife of what it was happening, what was occurring, and then eventually right. you just shut that off. It's like, right. I don't have to uh, expose you to that. Because I was good about talking with people, so I got all the child cases. Mm. Anything to do with children, I was good. I was the one that was interviewing and and dealing with those sex offenders or whatever it was, because I can, I can talk with them. I went to FBI interrogation school, so I learned body language. I learned how to tell a story to get them to relate with it so they could break down these walls. Mm. And, um, I mean, it's just like you said, it's a coping mechanism. And hopefully that this this talk we're talking about is, you know, I'm going through therapy. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get to deal with all the stuff that's in the past. And like you said, learning tools of how to understand it and get help with it and because you don't know it all right i hate that person that thinks they know it all anyway right 
I mean, well, that's yeah. As soon as you think you got it all figured out, <laughs> now you're you're screwed because you you will never have it all figured out. Yeah, and you have to approach. You have to be curious in life and 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 try to understand. You know, like when you hear even you know if you may not think you've experienced trauma, right? And you're like, no, nah, I'm good. Like I'm feeling. I'm emotionally stable. Whatever. Well, get curious about that and go. You know, if other people are experiencing, what am I experiencing? And yeah. then just ask yeah. and just work through it a little bit and go, okay, well, because there's nothing, there's no shame, there's nothing wrong with trying to make yourself more aware of yourself mm-hmm. and, and a healthier human being. And we go to the gym and work out, why wouldn't you do something for your mental health? Yes. Right? Yes. You've got to floss your brain, so to speak. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's where... I mean, physical fitness has just been my my go-to forever. Yeah. So, so at what point in your career did you go? Whoa! I think I'm I'm think I'm feeling some stuff here that I need to deal with. Um. Well, so just to give you a little background, um, in my 13 years as law enforcement, uh, I dealt with some horrible things, saw a lot of deaths, and I've had eight people die in my arms during those 13 years. Uh, I've seen horrible things. I've seen parents kill their children. I've seen uh, child abuse. I've seen the worst of people. I've seen darkness. I've seen I've seen evil. Yeah. And um, that trauma was. I went through a divorce. I went through a separation. I have two boys. I uh, went through that separation. I found somebody else that was sort of like my niche, and then she died. She had an accident. So. Uh, she had a drowning accident oh, and uh, that was sort of like my rock. And once that broken, it broke me. And that's what was pretty much one of the things is that um, I was working some drugs. I was working uh, with DEA for a little while and because uh, we had grant money. So when I got back after she passed away, I was broken. I took eight weeks off. I came back. They put me on some drugs to hopefully ease me back into patrol because patrol is a whole different beast mm-hmm. because you never know what you get exposed to, you right. know? Yeah. Um, and so they, so they me, put you in the, with the, the, in the DE project to just give you something stable to, uh, yeah, just yeah. to sort of get me my feet wet again. Okay. And, uh, I was, I was pretty cool because I mean, I like working drugs. I mean, because, uh, it is making an impact and we had our own cert team, which is a special entry response team. So we used to kick in doors kicking indoors is the most adrenalizing thing you can ask to do. Mm. And, uh, so I got back into drugs, working drugs. And then, uh, just one day, um, I was working a couple houses and when you're working drug cases, what you do is you find somebody that's a user and then you pinch them, which is you get them to be a confidential informant. Mm. And then you have them start buying for you. And then that gives you the information to write up a search warrant. Once you have a, uh, informant then you can kick in doors so i was working a couple houses and i had uh pretty much you do surveillance on houses you write down license plates places with people coming and going and i had this uh like three houses that were working and i just had all these mug shots associations with uh these houses and um at this point i was i was always been in a personal training still as a cop i still was doing that and i started training uh cameron haynes um if you don't know who cameron haynes is definitely find out who he is uh he's the best bow hunter in the world um 
He's uh, He was sponsored through Under Armour, Under Armour Endurance Athlete. He runs his 100-mile, 200-mile races. Um, so me and him were training together, and uh, we had been training for probably a year and a half. And he was going, you know, I could see that he was just going somewhere. And uh, I was working out. I was his coach. I was training him. So uh, this day I was sort of, and we're getting ready to make a, a workout DVD. So this is where it's like, you know, as a trainer, having a DVD, you're like, oh, gosh, this is it. You know, yeah. this is this is going to be awesome. I have arrived. So uh, I was working these houses and uh, I was just like, why am I, am I really making a difference mm. with these people? Am I really, uh, are they going to change? Am I going to be able to help them? Am I going to be able to do what I want to do, you know, and uh I just sort of made a decision that there, you know, I was like, I need to do something else. I can't, I can't handle any more negativity in my life. I can't handle it anymore. So I was broken. I was yeah. broken. So I said, well, let's go back to my old skill of helping people, make them healthier, make them stronger, make them better. So uh, I resigned from law enforcement. Um, and the crazy thing is, is my last day as on duty, uh, my life was in danger three times in one day. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's, it's people that give their lives for strangers and put themselves out there to help. And, uh, you, you really got to, I mean, in my 13 years, I only had five people thank me for what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just mind blowing. It really is a thankless profession. It right? really is. You have to have, you have to find the purpose within you. Because if you're if you're doing any public safety, frankly, if you're doing it for um, for the uh, reward of somebody coming in and and offering you gratitude, like you're going to be disappointed. Yes, if you're going to do all kinds of things and and never get recognized for it. Yeah, right. The majority of the time. Yeah. Now, firemen, eh, we get a lot of love, mm -hmm. um, but compared to our PD counterparts. Uh, it's you know, the dichotomy is overwhelming, right? The big difference, you know, we get cookies brought to the firehouse and all kinds of goodies, et cetera. Um, you know, but I look at my, my brothers across the line, brothers and sisters across the line, and, um, they do a very tough job, uh, without a lot of reward. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they get a paycheck and a pension hopefully and all this other kind of stuff, but they take a lot of heat yeah. um, for the work that they do. And it's, it's that in and of itself is its own type of trauma that's demoralizing and, and soul crushing it so is. you have to um, i think all of us need to find and this kind of speaks to kind of the bigger picture here right we all need to understand our our greater purpose mm -hmm. and you know what we what why is it that we choose to be where we are and i do really appreciate that you said to yourself hey man what am i doing here yeah can i do something different and and, and recognizing that i've seen enough felt enough taken enough that I am going to recognize, I'm going to be honest with myself yeah. and make a change. Yeah. And I think that's a really important principle because so many times we just continue on and we flog ourselves and we're miserable or we're, we're miserable or we're broken or we're unhealthy and we don't think, well, if I'm, I'd be honest with myself and make a change in my behavior or make a change in my situation. Yeah. And it's so hard to do because what's on the other side of that, right? We don't know. And the fear of the unknown, it's, a, it's, it's, that's tough. And that's how outlaw strength originated. Yeah. Outlaw. So let's talk about outlaw strength. So, so, so outlaw is going against the grain. 
who who's going to walk away from a career? I was making eighty five, ninety thousand a year, mm-hmm. full pension, good 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 benefits. So yeah, that's and, that and, that's and, that uh, golden parachute, <laughs> right? Right, and I was tier one purse. I mean, you're you're going to be set. Yeah, and but I was halfway through my career, and uh, it was really changing how I looked at life. And then, you know, having, uh, you know, your personal life affected and not be able to have that to go home to, to have that stability. Yeah. I was broken. I mean, I had, I had, I was absolutely, it was the most devastated point in my life. I was the darkest hole in my life and I really needed to get therapy then, but there wasn't, there wasn't, uh, (laughs) it wasn't there. Yeah. You know, and uh, they didn't have the resources. They didn't have the, it was like, oh, take some time off, come back to work. Right. And. uh, Hey, one of the things that's changed now. mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Is there's so much, there's so much therapy and and, and different resources that are targeted toward public safety. You know, back in the day, you'd go talk to some random family therapist or whatever, and you start talking about the stuff that you're seeing. They're like, yeah, I do not understand the culture. I do not understand, like, because this drive, like, I can't, I can't not do this. And they're like, well, you need to do something different. Like, no, no, I can't, <laughs> right? And so yeah. they didn't understand the public safety mindset. You know, the people that come into this business um, are have a, a, a culture that we are a part of, and you need somebody who understands that. Yes, because there's so much in our culture that is a part of, you know, a part of our drama, <laughs> and it's part of what we are trying to to deal with and manage. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm I'm happy to 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 know that there's so much more available for folks now that is specific to what we do. And that's how I got turned on to actually therapy uh, when I moved out here. So I moved out here in May with my family and uh, to try to seek a better home for my daughter. I have a three year old daughter, Charlie. And Eugene, Oregon was really bad from COVID, uh, the mass, the fear. It was the last place to open up in the nation. And uh, the fear was done. So we moved out here. My wife wasn't happy, wasn't uh, really where we were at. And uh, her college best friend, the house opened up next next door to him. Oh, fun. So we just decided to make a change. And I told my wife, I didn't want to move until my kids were done with high school. You know, so once they were done, we were thinking about it. So we just moved out here and uh, I got out here. Welcome and, to the desert. By oh, the way. thank you. <laughs> I, I love it out here. It's uh, it's a whole different Mecca for, uh, I mean, we're going to 5 million people. Yeah, I mean, and, and I really want to help. I really want to, I'm ready to grow. I'm really ready to grow and help. I have a, uh, I've been doing this a long time and I've really found a concept that really works to give people balance. But what I, what I wanted to say is when I got out here, there was a thing called Bulletproof, which is an app that Phoenix just started this year. It was on the news. And it's just for active firefighter and police. And uh, my wife said, hey, you should maybe check this out because she knows I've been pretty messed up for a while. Um, is that through the 100 Club? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But it was on the news. Okay. And it was, it's cool. called Bulletproof. Okay. And it's through active uh 
for law enforcement and firefighters here. I guess you get a code, you get a number for your agency, and it's a way to get counseling through your phone that you don't actually have to go somewhere. They can get treatment because that's where it's just like going into a clinic and talking with somebody. It's sort of extreme, but they started this project. And I think it's only going on this year. And I got enough courage to call. I was like, hey, you know, I'm I'm not active, but I just moved to the area. And uh, they were very helpful. And they're like, we're just dealing with active right now, but we don't have anything for retired or um, people that maybe have dealt with it. But then they referred me to Mental Health of America. And then I, it took me a little while to get enough courage to go in there. But I went in there and now I'm getting treatment. That's and, great, man. Um, if you're in the local area, I mean, check them out. I mean, I just really think that this is an opportunity to be more humanized, to be as like, it's okay to say that you're hurting, to be uh, real with yourself. And that's why I think this whole reason, you know, God puts us here and we need to be more humanized. We need to be more compassionate and love. And the world is pretty dark right now. Yeah. And I think that as Christians and as believers, we need to be the light. And uh, I love my fellow first responders, military, and, and I want to help you. I mean, I want to help you. My my drive is physical fitness. I yeah. can make your body strong. I can help you with nutrition. I can help you with training. But the mental health, uh, I'm diving into it myself. Yeah. And it's helping me. Good. It's really helping me. Well, you know, man, we are all a work in progress. And, you know, every one of us on this planet um, has to, uh, in my opinion, should be thinking about, you know, how they can support one another, right? Mm -hmm. We're all in this together, regardless of your, your belief systems, regardless of your, your political, religious, or other belief systems, whatever that is, we're all in this together. Yeah. And um, that's a big deal, man. And we're all, you know, we're all hurtling through space on a giant rock and- that's a that's a very isolating feeling. So all we have is each other. Yeah. To my knowledge, there might be some other spoke folks out there. <laughs> yeah. That we've yet to have contact with, or maybe we have had contact. I don't know. Yeah. But but nonetheless, I do know that we have each other. And that I know for certain. And so we have to lean into that and and recognize that we can support one another. So so let's talk about outlaw strength. Like, what are some of the what are some of the principles that, that are that are most important to you in your training program? Uh, balance. Say um, more about that. So I come up, I've came up with, uh, it's called five components of fitness. And um, five components of fitness is trying to really find a balance in your life. And uh, with health and fitness, there's a lot of different uh, perspectives. And with these five components, if you put a little attention to all these, you're going to be more well-rounded. Um, I work on being a hybrid athlete. A hybrid athlete is somebody that has strength, endurance, and can, because this is an ultra, ultra marathon. I mean, life is. Yeah. And training for your age, training for injuries, training to perform. And as military, police, firefighter, you are paid to perform. That's your job. So as when I was a cop, that was my job. I had yeah. to be strong. I had to be physically fit. I had to be good with my tools. So, but 
the whole thing is just making somebody more aware of what they're doing. There's so much fog out there in the fitness industry. There's so much fog and there's so much contradicting themselves. And I have been doing this whole entire life and I've really found a, a, a balance of these components. If you actually pay attention to these components and put a little attention to them, you will be better. You And that's the whole thing is improvement. And there's levels of improvement. And uh, I've worked with some of the toughest athletes on the planet. Um, so mental toughness and endurance-based training is the key. And uh, I mean, that's the whole thing. So the, the five components. First is your team. Who do you have on your team? Number one. Um, team could be any coaches. I've had a lot of coaches in my life. Instructors, coaches. And they all contribute in some kind of way. Right? So uh, strength coach, nutritionist, uh, doctors. Uh, anybody that you can pull into your team to make you better. Yeah, okay. That's your team. That's the most important. You should be always looking to add to your team. And that's why I'm moving to Phoenix. I want to find the A team. I want to find the people that have special gifts, that have obsessions. Because the only way you get good at things is obsessing about things. And I've obsessed about training my whole entire life. That's my thing. But I always want to find who who's a good nutritionist. Who's a good massage therapist? Who's a good acupuncturist? I want to find those talented people and bring them a part of my team. Yeah. Same thing as the firefighters. When you guys go to a team, you have you have jobs. When I did uh, search warrants, I was the first man through the door. We had a key man. He would knock the door open and I'm in. My job is to flow through that building mm -hmm. and not to stop. You know, and so you have jobs. So the thing is having that team, building that team up. So what, whatever team that you need to keep you accountable. So professionals, your family, your training partners, whoever that is to be a part of your team. But then you should actually look at your team and bring somebody out that you can help. Some loved one, someone you care about. Maybe somebody is struggling. Bring them a part of your team. Influence them with your team. That's what's the most important. This whole thing is I in, I've done 39 bodybuilding shows in my life. And bodybuilding is an extreme, individual extreme. Mm -hmm. And this is where I learned a lot about nutrition and changing the body composition mm -hmm. um, from nutrition to training. That's where I've learned. But it's just by myself. I, 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 I love going through team environments. There's something about uh, uh, being a part of something, you know. So team is number one. So find your team. Add to your team. Find those professionals. Find those special people to make you better. And you're not good at everything. So no. if you have some lacking areas, bring them in. Make them show you the way of what they need to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. team is number one. Okay. The second is your fuel. What do you put into the machine? Our bodies, uh, I like to say they're cars. So my car is a 1973 Camaro. It costs $3,500. <laughs> <laughs> but that car, you need to take care of that car. You can't trade that car in. Yeah. 
Sorry. This is it. This, this is, is the all only you got. car you got. They don't have a Tesla's back in those days, right? <laughs> There's no Tesla's. All those computer systems. So you you have your vessel. And uh, so a perfect analogy is, you know, NASCAR. NASCAR is the most extreme race cars, right? When they pull those cars in to the pit, what do they have happening? It's a crew, a team. Somebody's checking the tires. Somebody's checking the windshield. Somebody's doing fuel. It's a team working on that car. When's the last time you look at your fuel to your car, taking care of the motor, taking care of the suspension, taking care of it? And that's where your fuel. I believe in first learning how to eat for health. Once you learn how to eat for health, then you learn how to eat for performance. Different kind of beast. You know, and uh, I believe in balanced nutrition. I don't believe in extremes and direction because there's consequences. Atkins, paleo, these extreme diets, there's consequences. Mm-hmm. If you went to any nutritionist, they're going to say that 50% of your calorie intake should be carbohydrates, 20% protein, 30% fats. That's just general population. So they're saying fuel is the most important thing for brain function, body function, organ function. Carbohydrates are the most important thing. Right. Why did we get away from that? Why did we get away from giving our bodies the things that needs to run efficiently? So with your fuel, I don't guess anymore. So I use a fitness tracker to monitor my output to my input. You got to know how many how much energy your body's putting out. Do you do do you use like a macros type of model for yourself? So the idea is that your heart it's all geared around your heart. Hmm. Your heart is the motor. The heart is what generates heat, energy. Hmm. Everything is geared to your heart. Let me ask you, do you know what your heart is doing? Do you know what your heart is doing during resting? Do you know what your heart's doing during exercise? That's the most important muscle in your body. So with the fitness trackers, this is 2022. I could clone your dog if I wanted to. <laughs> really? $50,000, we could make Fluffy come back that's again. That's not that stupid dog. and needs to <laughs> not be cloned. <laughs> so I don't guess anymore. I used to yeah. guess when I was younger, just go off a of feeling. What, what type of fitness tracker do you use? Um, I use the Fitbit. Okay. Um, um, I like the Fitbit because it's designed for fitness and it's the most inexpensive um and it's that's what its purpose is the garmin is is a good one too uh it has a look yeah but it's a little more expensive and my whole thing is trying to make it as simple as possible right it's too complicated is there an app that goes with fitbit that you can do diet with as well oh yeah so so uh, i use my fitness pal Oh, okay. Copy. So uh, it's an Under Armour app. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna guide you along this way of maybe this might help. Okay. So you got to know what your output is. Mm-hmm. So this is where it's just like if you don't know what your output is, how you, so you're driving your car without any gauges. Mm-hmm. So you're driving your car without having a speedometer, no oil gauge, no gas gauge, no nothing. So with the technology, and it's not exact. It's not exact, but it's going to put you in the infield playing baseball. Right now, most people are in the stadium. They're maybe having a hot dog or whatever. I want to get you playing ball. I want you getting to understand your body. And it's not exact, but you have to remember with the fitness trackers. So when you go into the hospital 
and you put that little thing on your finger, it tells you your oxygen level. Pulse ox. Oh, I know, I know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same technology called green light technology. Mm, okay. It's the yeah. same technology as in the hospital. So it's what it's doing is picking up your skin. When it elevates through the heart rate, it picks it up. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's going to miss some. It's not going to catch them all. It's going to miss a few. So it's always going to work in your benefit because you'll be burning more than what it says. So it's going to, but it's going to give you a ballpark. So I know exactly what my resting heart rate is. I know exactly what my resting heart rate is. I know exactly what my heart is doing during exercise or what kind of it is, how much my output is, what my sleep, we're talking about sleep. It right. monitors what your REM sleep, your sleep is, what your heart's doing during resting recovery and what your active minutes. You know, there's different zones. There's fat burning zone, there's cardiovascular zone and there's peak zone how hard your heart's working. So if you're training for a particular purpose, you should know what your zones are. If you're trying to increase your cardiovascular zone, you should know that if you're in cardiovascular zone while you're training. You know what I mean? It's 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 really like uh, Formula One, NASCAR, you have a pit crew, you know, and that's where the technology's there. Why wouldn't you want to use it to monitor your exercise, your fitness? Well, you want an answer for that? Yeah. I'll tell you, the reason people don't use it is because they don't know where they should be, right? So they're yes. like, I don't know what this, this data tells me nothing because I don't know what I'm trying to accomplish. Yes. Right? Back in the day when I was doing uh, ultra marathons and Ironmans and all that stuff, I kept volumes of logs. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I was really, really good at keeping logs, but I wasn't good at going back and really processing my data. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part is what am I looking for? What anomalies in here? Heart rate variability and yeah. the different types of stuff I'm trying to measure. <laughs> yes. right? It's It can be data overload. Mm-hmm. So how do you simplify it for for the majority of us? Right? So, firefighter comes to work, officer comes to work, they, they're wearing their Fitbit, they're doing their business yeah. every day. How do we? Okay. So, so let's, 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 let's make it as simple as possible. The most important thing is I want to increase the longevity of life. I love that plan. That's it. Yeah. I want to improve the longevity of life. I want to improve quality of life. So let's just start with the heart. So an athlete, an athlete has a resting heart rate of 60 beats per minute, right? That's just, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle. That's still 33 million beats in a year. Holy cow. That's a lot of beats, right? And you have to remember your heart only has so many contractions in it before it shuts off. This is why I stopped running ultra marathons. We might need to do one more. We <laughs> might need to do one more. So my whole thing is trying to bring it to light. Of to understand is like, man, your heart is most important. We got to regulate what your heart is doing. And that's the problem with keto, Atkins, paleo, all these extreme diets. They're taking away carbohydrates. And when you do that, you'll see that your heart has to work harder because it doesn't have the fuel. And that's the thing is, is that there's a lot of heart disease. And when you, when you go to higher fats, higher protein, and no carbohydrates, you're trying to make your body run off of fuel that's not supposed to run off of. So... If you're making your heart elevated, you're going the wrong direction. I want to give your heart the right fuel. And it comes down to intestinal fat. Most people are overweight. Our society is obese. Mm -hmm. Over 30% body fat. 
So starting points. Man, I can I can talk about this stuff forever. So starting points. There's three different starting points. First is your internal health. Most important. I get I just got blood work done. So I get blood work done every six months. I go in because I want to know what my body's doing and I get the full panel. I want to see what my cholesterol is doing. I want to know what my thyroid is doing. And you can get these panels done. And if there's any deficiencies, why don't you talk about it? Mm-hmm. Let's let's consult with a doctor. Find these professionals. So your internal health is the most important. You might look physically healthy, but what's going on with the, the machine inside? So internal health is number one. Getting the blood panel, talking with your doctor, finding out what's going on. Find a balance in those. If there's something off, fix it. If you can't fix it through training and nutrition, supplement it in. Have somebody help you. So internal health. Then you got your physical fitness. There's lots of different tests for physical fitness. Uh, my whole concept is endurance-based training. So I like, I have uh, my own test I do. It's like, how many push-ups can you do in two minutes? How many jump squats can you do in two minutes? How many body weight pulls can you do in two minutes? Uh, how long can you hold a plank? Uh, and how far can you move in a half hour? Those are just, just using body mechanics. I mean, that's a simple test that you can do anywhere. So finding a test that you can monitor your physical fitness. Murph. I mean, whatever it is, you know, whatever your goals are for what you want to do. If you want to get stronger, you got to have a test. Mm-hmm. Tests yeah, are you be measuring something. You got, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. people are just going through it, and that's where tests don't lie. Blood work doesn't lie. Right. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? About the randomness of training for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. It's sort of just like, well, what feels good today? I walk in the gym, and I'm like. <laughs> I see the rower. Oh, I'm going to row something. Yes. Or I see the, the dumbbells. I'm going to do some curls today. Yes. Right? And it becomes random. And yes. Then, and then we're disappointed. I'm like, well, my fitness isn't changing. Yes. Because it's you're not doing anything with any measurable purpose. Yes. So so we got to have some tests to monitor your physical fitness. And that's why when you start off the academy, you have a test. We used to have the Oropat, which was, um, that's where I went to the academy. I used to inst- be an instructor. So mm-hmm. you have to... Uh, do a balance beam. You have to jump over something. You have to do a dr- dummy drag pull. And it's all for time. I mean, right. it's just, it's related to the job. You probably have to do a, um, yeah, we do stairs. A, a you do stairs. Yeah, physical ability test. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's job activities that are, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to do those. So it's the same thing as a test. And that's how you can even get the job is to right. do the test, right? And as, uh, Law enforcement, you know, once you get into that you're through your probation, that that test sort of just sort of goes away. Yeah. And uh, that's why they have some incentives for law enforcement. We used to have an incentive that you'd make an extra 100 bucks a month if you could run uh, a mile and a half in 14 minutes. That was it. You do one test a year. And I was like, man, I'll definitely do that for $1,200 for a year. <laughs> But there's lots of incentives, and that's where it's just like um, you need to have some tests to monitor your physical fitness. Yeah. And then the last is your body composition, uh, how much muscle tissue and how much body fat you have. And the way I look as the hybrid athlete, uh, you need to not be carrying extra weight. Um, you have to remember is intestinal fat, the fats around your organs, your heart has to work harder to pump that blood through those organs. Because it's, it's restricting blood flow. And the whole idea is if we can 
eliminate some of that body fat, your heart's not going to have to work as hard. So the flow will be easier. I mean, you see it. I mean, when you're going out to these calls, you're seeing uh, uh, people with diabetes, heart disease, overweight, and they're the ones that are having the problems. So uh, I use a DEXA scan. A DEXA scan is a bone density scan machine. It comes down to technology. People are like, oh, you know what? I can use that little scale I bought at Costco for $100. Okay. So the way the test is done, like through this, is like through an electric current. Mm -hmm. If you're dehydrated, if you have inflammation, it's not a very accurate test. Look at the technology. Uh, A DEXA scan is a $70,000 machine. Where do you get access to one of those? So the cool thing is in Phoenix, uh, if, you, if you're in Phoenix, go see David at Tempe Dexafit. Um, he'll educate you, but it's, uh, it's super accurate. It's the gold standard of testing. Hmm. When I lived in Portland or lived so you in can Oregon. Just, sorry, not to, yeah, you can schedule an appointment, go in, get scanned. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is that you got to know. You got to know where you're at, how much yeah. muscle tissue and how much body fat you have. And then you can actually make a scientific approach to losing some of the body fat and building muscle. So so you sort of got to know. So the DEXA scan is the most accurate because it's an x-ray machine. It scans your body. It will tell you exactly how much you have in your right arm, left arm, intestinal fat, legs, torso. It will break it down into exactly. Um, another gold standard is hydrostatic, which is getting submerged in water. But it's just going to give you a general number. And so it's going to say this is how much muscle you have and this is how much body fat you have. But the hydrostatic is hard because you have to drown yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a hard test. Mm-hmm. And it takes a few times to get used to it. That's why I used to do up in Portland because it was only 40 bucks. Right. And I knew I went to a clinic and that's what they specialized in. And um, But the DEXA scan, you just lay there. And it scans your body and will tell you what your body fat percentage is and will tell you how much muscle and body fat you have and then you can sort of make a scientific approach for a hybrid athlete i believe that you should be around 10 percent body fat so you have some fat cells that you can pull from but you're not carrying extra weight i mean being performance it's all performance uh, performance and based you need to have flexibility you need to have balance you need to have strength you need to have endurance i mean you need to have uh all of it um, so those are three starting points, your internal health, your physical fitness and body composition and, uh, starting there and then sort of making that approach, uh, to your health. Okay. So circling back, you talked about, um, team was number one, fuel was number two. Mm-hmm. So, so with fuel, it's, um, knowing what your output is. So with the fitness tracker, it's going to tell me. So I typically burn, um, 4,000 to 5,000 calories a day. I train about three to four hours every day. Um, it just depends. Probably hour and a half of weight training. I train six days a week. Um, and then I do some endurance-based training, do a mountain, whatever that is. Uh, I like that endurance. So um, my output's a lot. So um, then I know how many calories I'm by, my body's burning. And then I use MyFitnessPal. It's an app, a free app through Under Armour. And you can log your foods. So I my minimum is 3,500 calories I eat a day. Minimum to 4,000 calories I consume a day. Somewhere in that ballpark. And it just depends on what your goals are. If you're trying to lose body fat, which most people do, I'm going to give you a little secret here, okay? So if you Google one pound of body fat, just Google it. It will tell you you need to burn 3,500 calories to lose one pound of body fat. 
how do we get away from that? You know, I mean, people, uh, they're, they're, they're missing it. I, I mean, I just heard some commercial on the way. Oh, you can lose one pound of body fat a day. I was like, whoa, no way. That's not possible. So using the science. So it comes down to it. If you're trying to lose body fat, for men, we burn more calories than women because we were heavier. We have more muscle tissue. And it comes down to the heavier you are, the harder your body has to work to move. Hmm. So that's where like the biggest loser, those guys were 600 pounds, 500 pounds, moving a 500 pound body or pumping that heart has to pump through that. It has to use so much energy just to function. Yeah. When you think about just the principle of, of the cardiovascular system, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to oxygenate all that tissue. Yes. The fat cells as well. Mm -hmm. So your oxygen, you know, how much more demand does that put on the system to, to push all that uh, blood flow around the system and to, to oxygenate it all? To and even simple. more muscle tissue. So mm -hmm. more muscle tissue is living tissue. So your body has to work harder to pump that blood through that tissue. Right. So it comes into a finding the balance, you know, how much muscle you have, how much body fat you have. And, and that's why the fitness trackers will really give you that guidance. So just to give you a little tip out there, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to lose body fat, not just weight, because remember, 70% of your body is liquid. So I could drop 10 pounds in a day if I wanted to, but that's not body fat. Right. So the losing body fat has to be a methodical plan over a period of time. So for men, I recommend a pound and a half a week. So you're looking at about 5,000 calorie deficit for a week. Hmm. Women, maybe 4,000 because you don't burn it, have, have as much output. And the thing is, is that if there's a too big a deficit, your performance suffers. If you start breaking over a thousand calorie deficit, you'll see your performance will start suffering. You'll see your heart elevating. If, if you really want to know, I mean, about a 600 calorie deficit, your, your performance is perfect. You don't feel hungry. Your body can perform. Then every week you're losing one pound of body fat. So let me just give you one analogy. So if everybody in the world had a Fitbit, if everybody had a Fitbit and they ate 100 calories less from their output to their input every day, just 100 calories, over a year, that's 36,000 calorie deficit, which is 10 pounds of body fat. We'd be going the other way. Yeah. But if you're eating 100 calories more than what your output is, that's why we're getting heavier and getting so fatter. What do you think about the quality of those calories? Oh, it comes down to a difference. Yes. You got to you got to use some common sense, you know, and with like, uh, I talk about carbohydrates and people are like, Oh, don't eat carbs. Carbs are what give you energy to perform, to function, to train. Yeah. We have villainized carbohydrates, haven't mm -hmm. we? And the main thing is that just remember when you're picking a carbohydrate, there's a thing called a glycemic index list It's what diabetics live by. Mm -hmm. So it tells you how fast it turns into usable energy. Ideally, when you, if you really want to know, Pick something in the middle of that list. Look up the list. Start finding things in the middle of the list to get you to the next meal. I don't believe in starvation. Because when you starve, your body is going to use the most efficient energy, which is muscle tissue. And that's where fasting, all these things, all these things of starvation, it's not the key to health. 
keeping the machine running that nascar you got to have the pure octane fuel in your body to function especially as law enforcement and military and police or firefighters you got to perform yeah i i can't have you starving and crashing i don't know if you've ever trained with low blood sugar level it's a terrible feeling yeah you feel like you have the flu you're crashing you can't focus you see stars and that's where it's like that's why i invented gatorade Gatorade is just sugar water. That's right. all it is. It's just to try to keep you in the game. It's a Band-Aid. Yeah. So so what comes after fuel? So fuel is your motor. Okay, so the first two components is the most important, your team and your fuel. What do you put into your body? And that's where, you know, you should eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner as your core meals. And then supplementation is where I use to fill in the gaps. Because I'm eating around 35 to 400, 4,000 calories a day, that's going to be very hard to eat in the solid foods. So right. that's where supplementation, it makes it easier. Liquid base um, calories is easier for your body to absorb. It doesn't take as much effort. So when you're eating more foods, it's hard because your body has to break them down and it has to transport it. So it's effort. It's an internal resistance. When you eat food, it's an internal resistance. Mm -hmm. And we want to make that resistance as easy as possible to absorption, to function. So that's where supplementation can fill in the gaps. And I'm a true believer in supplementation. I work with a company that does it. So you got your team, you got your fuel. Those are the two most important. The next three components can be juggled for whatever you're at in your life. Hmm. For your age, your gender, or whatever it is. So the next three components are your motor which is your heart and cardiovascular training, your armor, which is the skeletal structure, the armor to your body, like the weight training, and then you got your recovery. So those three components, you got to find out. So if I'm going to be dealing with somebody that's like maybe in their 70s or 80s, I'm probably going to be working on their motor, recovery, and then armor. Maybe a younger kid, armor, their hearts are probably pretty healthy, motor, and then recovery. It just depends on what that is. So those components, if you have sort of a balance in your team, your fuel, your cardiovascular training, your weight training, and then have that good recovery system, um, then you're going to be sound. You know, we talked about sleep. Sleep is huge. Recovery is probably one of the most overlooked areas of fitness. Yeah. Well, we talked about that a little bit earlier and that the, the ability to recover is really challenging. You, you know, for firefighters, you come off of a, of a long shift where you've been up all night running calls and you may feel like, Oh, I didn't have a fire. I didn't do anything really strenuous, but just that getting up, getting on the truck, going on a call, coming back, repeat, rinse, you know, yeah. rosh, winch, repeat, Anxiety. You know, like that's a lot and mm -hmm. it's on the, the stress to the system. Yes. And so then you're like, well, I'm going to go work out Well, you're going to add more stress, mm -hmm. right? So how do you, you know, how do you mitigate that? But that's where it comes back to, you know, putting your mind in that right set. You know, if you need to chill for a moment, you know, most important things of recovery, definitely hydration. That's probably number one. We're like in one of the hottest places in the world. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's where like with Malinovs, <laughs> we have electrolytes. You know, those are good things of minerals, substances. Yeah. Water is the most important nutrient for your body. So um, I definitely recommend at least a gallon a day, minimum, 128 ounces. Start there and flood your body with the nutrients. Because remember, water is the transporter to everything. Everything in your body has water in it. 
So the more you can put into your body, the better that body is going to function. So start with your hydration. That's the most important. Start with your hydration and then, um, you know, stretching, taking care of your body. I brought um, a tool for you to try. It's called uh, uh, Buff Enough from Percussion Fitness. It's a personal massager. All it does is circulate blood. So you can circulate blood to your shoulders, your hips, your back, um, especially you sit a lot. You know, it comes down to circulation is the key. Circulating blood, I mean, it's pretty simple. Lubricating your body so it's ready to go. Yeah. And that's where stretching is probably the most overlooked area of fitness. Nobody stretches. They don't have time for it. It's like, man, have you ever, have you ever had an injury? If you've ever had a neck strain or a back pull, well, I can guarantee it's probably from not getting ready for exercise or you're going from sitting to something active. And that's why I used to train before I went to work every single day. So I was ready for it. Hmm. I would train before I went to work. So my body's lubricated. I'm ready, mentally focused. So if I have to fight with somebody, I'm ready for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to be prepared for battle. You got to be prepared for what's asked of you. And that's where it's just like you have to take priority in your health and fitness and what you're doing because somebody's life might be depend on it. And I didn't never want to have somebody die from my performance. Right. I mean, that's, that's reality. Yeah, one of your partners or yourself for lack of. Yeah. You know. If I couldn't do something, and that's why I shot my gun every week. I use my tools. I want to be efficient with my tools. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think about, so I, I follow Cameron Haynes and you mentioned him earlier. And um, what I think is fascinating and I think about, I'm not a hunter myself, but I think about the skill of hunting and you're up in the mountains, you're working it out, you're at altitude at times and you're, you're moving and then you never know when you're going to run into that prize, that prize bull. Yes. And it's time for you to get your, you know, get your bow, draw back and you might have to hold that draw for a while yep. until you get the right shot. And meanwhile, you were trudging up the hill, so your heart's racing or moving. So, like, the level of fitness you have to have to be functional under pressure yes. is really important. Mm -hmm. And for firefighters and police officers, this is critical because you get you go from sometimes a standstill to 100% exertion, and now you have to make critical decisions. Yes. Right? You have to size up a fire structure. You have to size up a perp and, and make a decision about what you're going to do next. Yes. A, a life and death decision at mm -hmm. times. And so so fitness is such an important aspect um, because the more fit you are, the more you're able to absorb that impact and be able to think clearly under pressure. Yes. So that's it's such the key a, to everything. Yeah, it's huge. It key, and, and training is the key. Yeah. Training and preparing for the worst situation. And that's why I would train for the worst situation. Yeah. And like you said, being prepared for like, you know, like knowing your environment. Like we were just talking about a little bit before the show is like going to a building before it goes or it catches on fire. Knowing yeah. where the exits are, knowing yeah. where uh, where there might be water possible to get. Right. I mean, it just it just makes sense. Right. If that's your job, take care of it. Do right. it right. Right. Well, and I always say that. We in the public safety sphere are industrial athletes, mm -hmm. right? Paid pro athletes. Pro know? athletes. And so, you know, that comes with a burden of responsibility, mm -hmm. right? If you let yourself go, and I mean that deliberately, like you have, you know, there are folks who come on this job, get through probation, like you mentioned, and turn it off. Yes. Um, you are doing a disservice to yourself, those around you, and the community you serve. Mm -hmm. It's irresponsible. Yes. Um, period. 
And um, and I know, hey, some of us, you get injured and then the weight gain comes because you're not able to move the way you used to be able to move, but you better figure out something. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to climb on that truck, you're going to get in that squad car, you're going to go out and, and try to perform, you're only putting yourself at risk and those around you. And the team. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is being real with yourself and what limitations yeah. you have and, and sharing those limitations when you, uh, as, as it goes on. Yeah. And that's where the older I get, I understand it. I, I've changed my philosophy a lot. Because when I was younger, it's like, how much can I lift? How much can I bench? How much can I squat? <laughs> yeah. And then the older I'm getting, it's like my, my priorities change. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and that's where it's like we got to figure out how can you contribute to the team the best. Like how you said, now your job is sort of to to see what's going on and maybe give them some other solutions because you've experienced a lot in your life. Right. So, I mean, it's all about helping the team where you can, but you got to be able to pull your own weight. You know, you don't want to be the weakest link. And, and that's why I'm just trying to say out to you, if you don't know where to get started, there's a starting point for everybody. Yeah. And it's always good to go back to the basics. Yeah. Go back to the basic fundamentals. Amen. So, so we've been going for a little bit. What let's, uh, <laughs> let's pull it to a close. What, um, where can folks find, find you and see the stuff that you're doing and, and maybe reach out, ask questions. Where can they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram, um, outlaw strength on Instagram, or you can go to outlawstrength.net. Um, yeah, I'm going to be around the area so you can just, nice. uh, contact me, uh, DM me or whatever it is. I mean, I'm hoping that we can build some relationships that I, I really want to help as many people as I can. I just have all this knowledge and I've trained, uh, some super athletes and extreme people and, I don't know. I just, I want to give back. And my, my whole thing is I want to serve. And that's our whole thing is serving and giving people the tools to be successful. And there's just so much darkness out there. I just want to really just be the light and help people. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate your your desire to do that, man. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for having me. And, and yeah, thanks for coming on and talking to us and sharing your, your time and your knowledge. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, one little shout out. Uh, I work with a company called Mountain Ops. They're based out of Salt Lake City and it's a supplement company and uh, they have athletic apparel uh, training equipment. And uh, if you are a a first responder, paramedic, firefighter, contact them. They can give you a discount code. So contact this customer service. It's called mountainops.com. And uh, they have some great supplements. Uh, I definitely recommend, you know, a good solid protein powder. Um, electrolytes is a great one if you're looking for pre-workouts post-workouts they have it all but one of the great things about the company they're all family based and anytime that you provide uh, you buy a supplement they provide a meal to a uh, a children that needs meals so we've provided three and a half million meals to children so talking about purpose you know our whole purpose is try to give back so um, that's where I want to you know, I want to help the future. I mean, if you're a parent, if you love your kids, if you want to start taking care of yourself and then start taking care of your kids, let's start changing this whole mentality of uh, health. Let's just not uh, just take it for granted. Let's start really working toward that direction of improving families and loved ones that you really love and care about. Let's make them beast. Let's make these next generation savages. And the only way to do that is 
Work on these five components. Work on your team. Work on your fuel. Work on your armor, your motor, recovery. Go train with your kids. I mean, go walk with them every single day. Make them, make them healthy. Find out what they love to do. So you need any help, I'm here to help. Right on. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Hey, folks. That's all we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Eric, for sitting down and sharing some of your time and talents with us. If you are enjoying this podcast, get on over to Apple Podcast, rate and review the podcast. That helps us propagate and move this thing forward. Also, go to whatever platform you enjoy most. Subscribe. These podcast episodes will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Now, most importantly, take the lessons you've learned here. Find a way to work them into your life. Challenge what you currently understand about what you're doing. Look at your life through a lens that is different and reevaluate, make changes, continue to adapt, continue to grow, continue to get some.